morning. Hallelujah. God with us brings peace. God with us brings peace. I was reminded as I was doing my sermon preparation of a time in my own life where that peace became so tangible. When we go through Christmas, many of us rightfully so are thinking of all the happiness and all of the joy But the painful truth is many of us are also dealing with pain and suffering. And as I recall a time in my life where I expected to encounter an enormous amount of pain, I was overwhelmed by this peace that we're going to talk about this morning. I don't know if any of you can relate, but as you know, I had a very powerful figure in my life, my mother, that raised me, not my birth mother, who I'm blessed to still have with us today and here in the sanctuary this morning. But as I was growing up, the person who wiped my boo-boo off when I scraped my knee and fell off my bike the person who made my lunches when I got ready to go to school in the morning and who listened to me cry when I talked about the boy who broke my heart, who was near and dear, and because I was very aware that she was a lot older than us, I was always mindful that her death would be coming. And I envisioned as a child that this was going to be one of those scenarios where they would need to have like an extra grave next to hers so after they put her in they could just go ahead and then just take care of me too in one swoop and we could save the family some expenses because I anticipated this suffering and this pain to be more than I would be able to ever bear. But that was as a child and Thankfully, I grew up and I accepted this man named Jesus Christ into my life. And when he came into my life and I was filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, gifts came inside of me that I couldn't quite put my finger on at the time, but as they began to activate in my life when I needed it the most, I recognized that this gift that we have with God with us, God being present with us, this gift of Emmanuel that we have access to a supernatural peace. Anybody ever experienced his supernatural peace in their life? Maybe you're one who is experiencing some of these battles right now as we are in this Christmas season. Maybe there's some pain that's tirelessly and relentlessly continuing to bombard you as you're going through the trenches of life. 
What is the darkness that even though everyone else is celebrating and saying Merry Christmas and smiling and gift exchanging and having Christmas parties, what is the darkness that is still laying within that makes it a little bit harder for you to celebrate during this time of year? This morning I want to talk to you about the peace that is available to you, God's gift to you to bring you through this time of year. Now, we may not be able to end the personal, the emotional, the cultural, even the physical wars that are happening during this holiday season, but in those darkest places, we can lean into the God that is with us. God is with us. And I think that as we are going through the season of Advent, and as we are tapping into this peace and this love and this joy and everything that God has given us, we will be able to experience it in a tangible way as well. And so my hope today is that each of you will experience this I saw a few hands go up. My hope today is that by the time I have finished with this lesson, you will have an expectation that will allow you to experience this peace with, deep within your souls as well. And if you've been journeying with us for these past few weeks towards Christmas, then you know we have been celebrating Advent. And as a quick recap, Advent means coming or arrival, and the season is marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It is a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and to be alert for his second coming. And Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ's coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for us as his people. And so during Advent, we wait for both. It's an active, it's an assured, it's a hopeful waiting. And each week, we focus on a different attribute of God represented in the coming of Jesus. Hope, love, joy, peace. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, he is the embodiment of these traits. He has entered our world and he fills us with them all. So if you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 2 in just a moment. And we're going to talk for you note takers on the subject of 
the shepherds peace restored the shepherds peace restored now the shepherds in the christmas story often get a bad rap they are often presented as outcasts a dirty unruly group that was at the bottom rung of society and while they definitely did hold a lower place in society not all scholars believe that they were so unrespectable. In fact, shepherds had at one point held a very high position in Israel's history. Faithful Jews would have known the stories of patriarchs of their faith who were shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even King David, of whom Jesus was a direct descendant. But whether or not the shepherds of Jesus' day were totally disregarded, the profession had undeniably fallen in esteem since the days of the patriarchs. They were definitely considered a lower social class. They held a menial vocation involving hard work with a bunch of animals, stinky animals. And so it was safe to say a shepherd wasn't the most desirable profession at that point in time. And then we have at the other end of the spectrum in Israel, the religious leaders of the day. Smug in their moral goodness and high positions of power. And they made sure everyone knew about it as well. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, and like at the top, everyone else below in descending order. They kept themselves lifted up by putting everyone else down. They believed that they were the ones with a direct line to God and his purpose for everyone else's lives. So with this backdrop, with this context, and in this hierarchy, shepherds weren't exactly accustomed to being the ones contacted by angelic beings. They didn't expect direct messages from God. Imagine their surprise then on this star-filled night, on the outskirts of Bethlehem, when the brightest star in the sky dimmed and then the whole dark expanse began to glow with this brilliant light of the angel of the Lord Luke described the scene like this let's look at verses 8 and 9 in chapter 2 and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Stop right here for a moment. What was going on here? And then, as if a vision of an angel wasn't enough, the glowing guy speaks 
to the shepherds. The angel said to them, verse 10 and 12, through 12, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Unbelievable. But wait, there's more. There's literally more. As in more angels. Look at verse 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Hallelujah. A pray, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's deal with that for just a moment. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. The words were almost unbelievable for these messengers. The angels were making a proclamation of peace to those on whom God's favor rests. And they were making it to shepherds. Now, can you imagine the confusion and the doubts that were probably going through the shepherds' heads? I don't know if you've picked up on a thing yet, because I keep sharing with you week after week as we've been talking about Advent, starting about the week when we talked about how he spoke to Mary, how he's just grabbing very ordinary people with just regular lives, sometimes lowly existence, and saying, yes, you, I want to use you in my mighty plan. Maybe that's confirmation for someone this morning who is still grappling with the concept that in spite of your problems, in spite of your sins, in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of your lack of preparation and training, <laughs> that God still has a plan and that he's using you to bring it to pass. The shepherds could have been thinking, maybe they got the wrong messengers or the wrong people to take this message, but angels don't make mistakes. So you mean to tell me that God's favor is on us? This morning, God's favor is on us. And his peace is with us. This was completely out of the ordinary. This wasn't supposed to happen to shepherds. Supernatural encounters with God and his messengers and promises of blessing and favor didn't come to shepherds. They were reserved for the people I told you about the minute ago, the super spiritual religious leaders of the day. But like much of Jesus' coming, 
this announcement didn't fit the mold of expectations. If you're taking notes this morning, I think that's a good thing to remember. Jesus doesn't fit the mold of expectations. We can't box him up. People may try to box us up. But you can't confine God to how he wants to move and how he wants to operate. And ironically, the religious elite are conspicuously absent from this birth announcement. Those considered by society to be most holy weren't even given a place in the stable to kneel on holy ground and witness the arrival of the Messiah. Hallelujah. The announcement to the shepherds that God had come to be with us in the birth of the Messiah turned the current system on its head. It reminded people then as it should remind us today that God's favor is not based on human standards. Let me say that again. God's favor is not based on human standards. Oh, I know we might be proud of our credit score. We may be proud of our zip code and our address. We may take some delight in the successes that we have accomplished, the degrees and the letters behind our, our names. But God's favor rests upon each and every one of us. That is the gift. His favor is on all of us who humbly acknowledge, I want you to catch this, the brokenness. And accept the gifts of hope, love, joy, and peace that Jesus brings. We have to accept those gifts, y'all. All right, right. Have you ever been that kind of person where somebody tries to give you something, you're like, oh, no, 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 you didn't have to. If you don't accept it, you don't have it. Regardless of what the reason why is that you did not accept it, you no longer have it. It is for us in this season to say, I really appreciate that lovely gift from Bath and Body Works. I really appreciate you getting me that gift I picked out on my wish list on Amazon. But right now, I am praying, I am broken, and I am willing to admit it to my father that the gift that I want most of all is his presence. If you guys could hear some of the letters that those children wrote to Santa yesterday, it would break your heart. One child in particular, as some of the other ones was laying it out, somebody asked for a car. <laughs> I'm not sure what a seven-year-old is going to do with a car. <laughs> Maybe they were asking on behalf of mommy. Maybe mom was like, put car down there. But amongst the things that the children were asking for when we had our Christmas celebration on yesterday, and while I'm at this point, can we just give everyone a round of applause for doing that? 
Let me tell you, God is true to his word. When you are faithful over few, he will make you ruler over many. Never despise small beginnings. Amen? Never despise small beginnings. God watches to see how faithful you are over the small things before he expands your territory. If you can't treat three people right, he's not going to give you 300. That's just how he works. And he did a mighty work in the lives of those he sent on yesterday and those he used to bring that to pass. And so these children, as they were waiting and they were enjoying their breakfast that was provided for them and they were eagerly waiting to get to the good part where they got to go get their toys, they had some little activities. And one of the things they did was write their letters to Santa. And one letter in particular that struck me was where one child said, I don't want any gifts. I just want to feel loved. In this materialistic society that we live in today, I think some of us forget just how important it is just to feel loved. And to know that when we share Christ, when we help people to tap into the God within us, they can experience this hope, this love, this joy, and this peace that we've been talking about for these last few weeks. The angels appeared to the shepherds. The shepherds received this announcement of good news, and then they came, became the message bearers of peace. In three short steps, they had come full circle as Jesus' arrival meant a kind of restoration for the role of shepherds. In fact, throughout Jesus' teaching, he used shepherds as an example of good things. Amen? Not bad. Jesus even went so far as to call himself the good shepherd who loves and cares for his sheep. He has a way of saying, y'all may look down on it, but for me, I call it blessed. I want that to encourage someone this morning because you may work in a position that someone else may look down upon. You may not be where you want to be. You may still be in the beginning part of your career, working your way up, doing something that other people consider lowly and that they don't esteem very highly. But I hope that you're catching this morning that when God blesses it, regardless of what other people think, he has a way of encouraging us and inspiring us and letting us know, oh, you're doing a good work. I placed you here for such a time as this. He had that way, and when he touched these shepherds and was able to speak to these shepherds and was able to use them in his plan as the messengers, that suddenly now they were elevated. This comforting knowledge that all is well, as it should be, brings peace of mind and heart. So Jesus' arrival for the shepherds marked the starting place of peace to all those on whom his favor rests. To all those with whom he is present 
which includes us. I need you to visualize for a moment that he is present, but there are ways in our lives that we can literally open the door and usher him out. See yourself being in a room and wanting to be alone. Have you ever been in that place where you were just like incredibly grumpy and people were trying to cheer you up, trying to make you feel better about yourself, and you're at that little funk where you're like, I don't want to be cheered up. Leave me alone. I want to be in this funk right now. Leave me right where I'm at. Now, you know how incredibly silly that looks to us on the outside, <laughs> but we don't get to see the mirror when it's us that's in that place? That's what this message of peace is trying to break into this morning. Maybe you're used to doing it your own way. Maybe you think you're handling things just perfectly fine. Maybe you think you've got everything under control. But I am here this morning saying, but there's a little small knock at your door. With Jesus saying, can I please come in? I came here to be with you. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to experience this alone. You don't have to go through this alone. I am with you. There's this peace of wholeness that comes from our Prince of Peace. And on this final Sunday in Advent, I want us to explore together what that means and looks like, not only in our own lives, but throughout history, to give us confirmation as well. So let's briefly look at the peace of wholeness. My note takers, our next topic is the peace of wholeness. You can start looking in Numbers if you want. Numbers chapter 6. I'm going to read two scriptures for you. Way back in history, as recorded in the Old Testament, when God gave the law to Moses and set up the roles and the duties of priests to guide the spiritual life of the ancient Jews, he gave them the ultimate blessing to speak to the people. And I think this is why, uh, Jonathan, I love this song so much, the blessing, because it's really scripture, just repeating that scripture over and over again. And if you're here, it's number 624 through 26. And if it's not here, I'm sure you know it because it's a very popular song verse as well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now I can't read this without hearing Karyobi singing the song. That song went viral all over the nations, all over the globe. And it's a pronunciation of peace, an ultimate blessing spoken to the people of God. The Hebrew word used in that blessing and throughout the Old Testament is shalom. And it conveys rich, powerful meaning. So much more than just the absence of fighting. Shalom reflects safety, completeness, wholeness. This is the type of peace brought by God with us. Jesus is the prince of shalom, foretold by the prophet Isaiah, 
If you think about it, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, Isaiah stated that when he said to us, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Sadly, though, <laughs> The people of this day missed it. And I think about us because we do this as well. Because they were under oppression from their political um, overseers, the Roman Empire, they really strictly received that scripture with the hope that this meant at this time Jesus is going to come and overthrow the Roman throne and put us in our rightful place. And so there was a great discouragement when he came, and that wasn't what he was talking about. And I wonder how many times <laughs> we've read the scripture, and we thought that that meant that we were about to be instantly blessed, all bills paid, everything rolling, everything going good, and we're like, hold on, you have completely missed the point. This completeness and wholeness with God is what Jesus brought into and left in our world. It is the peace that calms our souls deeply. It is the calm acceptance that it is well with my soul. No matter what swirls and storms around me, Meaning it may still be swirling and storming around me. The peace is not in you came and you changed everything and made it all go my way. The peace is in you are with me. It is well with my soul. This is the peace we celebrate today. And when Jesus returns one day, he will heal all that's been broken and restore God's complete kingdom of shalom. Yes, there will be the absence of war and hatred, but even that type of peace will be an extension of the wholeness that he will establish. So my third point is peace is a person. Peace is a person. Near the end of Jesus' life, he spoke these words to his disciples shortly before he was arrested and crucified. Comes out of John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus left us with his peace. He said, I don't give to you as the world gives. I'm giving you something that you cannot do in curbside pickup at Walmart. I am giving you something 
that you are going to need, something that I didn't understand how valuable it was until I was at the place where I fully expected to crumble into a million pieces and rest it with the peace of God. To this day, my little sister, she said, I don't know how you did that. Went to my mom's funeral, read the obituary, officiated things, took care of final affairs, got things done. And it was as if that piece that I did not quite understand what it meant and what the scripture meant, God has a way of making scripture come alive in our life when we believe his word. And I was able to see those words lift from the page and say, this is what peace is. Yes, I miss her. Yes, I love her. Yes, I wish there were times where she was still here. But there is a peace that comes and says, you cannot dwell in that pain. I am with you. People will come and go out of your lives. They may not pass, but they may just walk away. You may have employees that you just think are the best thing in the world. You can't imagine running your business without them. And then they get married and move out of town. You may have a relationship that you just think is never going to end. And then they decide it's ended. Besides death, there are so many different ways that we give of ourselves. We may give ourselves to a job and plan in our mind that I'm going to stay here until retirement. And they go out of business. But when we reflect upon and take advantage of and receive this gift of peace, it gives us that ability to just be able to say, you know what, this did not turn out the way that I planned, but all is well with my soul. All is well. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. That means we have an ability to stop that. Don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus knew his followers, as he's telling them, were about to experience a crushing blow. But he had a gift for them that was different from anything in our world. His peace is not given as the world gives. It's not a gift that can be taken away, nor is it something that we can create on our own. It's not the absence of pain. It's not the absence of hurt. It's not the absence of noise or uncertainty or violence. Peace is a person. And peace is Jesus with us as the Prince of Peace. And his assurance to the disciples was that even in what would appear to be the most hopeless of situations, he would be with them. His peace is his presence with us, no matter what the circumstances. If you look in your house Bible, page 564, he says it like this when Paul explains it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. As we experience God's presence, we become interwoven in an ins- and inseparable from the peace that he is and that he gives to us. Paul went on to say in verses 14 through 16, 
He who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. I think this is where I want us to land as we close today. God with us brings peace between us and God. Brings peace between us and God. We talked a lot about the peace that we need to feel to grab hold on to to deal with our everyday lives and the things that come our way. But what we don't recognize very often and we don't think about very often is that because of our sinful nature, without this peace that Jesus has brought, we would not be at peace with God. He brings peace among people because we are all drawn together and unified in God through Jesus. And so this is the perfect picture of shalom. Wholeness, safety, and the restoration of all people as one. Jesus' peace is not simply that we agree to disagree. It is that in him we are made one. In wholeness we are reconciled to God and to others in Jesus. I have some other things here in my notes that I will share at a different time. But I do want to close with us remembering. From Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it's page 567 in your Bible. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to end with this because I want to end with a practical application of how we're going to make this happen. How, and this is why I'm so much for, looking forward to our Christmas concert. I was explaining to our minister of music, I said, I really want you to get that for me. The goal of this time is for us to come and rest and to be in his presence. Because I don't know about you, but just too much is happening. You got to worry about who's coming over for Christmas. Do you have the right decorations up? Do you have enough food? Did you forget to get a gift for somebody? These, all these things that consume us and that come at us, that attack us about what we need to do because it is Christmas. And deep in my soul, all I want to do is just worship God. I want to just come and thank him and come and just appreciate the gifts that he has left for us. And I know that I'm not alone in this desire to just be quiet and just be still 
for just a moment. Just be still. No more rushing. No more hustling. No more working. I know the people who were part of the toy giveaway are like, (laughs) just rest. Just a time to rest and to think about what he has done for us. And in order for us to really enjoy that rest, we've got to apply the scripture here. I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with the reality that when we come to him, and we make these requests known to him, and all these unfinished tasks, and all this unfinished business, and all of these things that we're looking at, my schedule for this week is so chaotic. And it's like, because I know that it's Christmas, and I know that we're taking days off, everyone tried to cram everything into this one week to try to get it done before the holidays. And I'm just like, my mind is just like, oh my goodness, why did I let this happen? And this scripture is what I'm holding on to, and I pray that we will all hold on to this week as we approach our final days to this day. Put those petitions before God. Give it to him. Make those requests be known to him. Let those concerns be known to him. And trust that once we put it in his inbox, God has got it. Take on the peace. Leave the problem and walk away with the peace that God's got it. And that peace makes us realize that God may not handle it the way that we had anticipated he was going to handle it. He may not solve it the way that we wanted him to solve it. But when we trust him and we believe in him, and really, honestly, for some of y'all, when you're tired enough and you're just ready to put it down, you can then pick up the peace. That's the gift we have today, the gift that I pray as we approach our final days towards Christmas, that as we're gift-giving, that we give to others this gift as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you've come. We thank you for how without Jesus we wouldn't be able to do any of this, but because he came, because he was born, even in this unexpected way, even as he was announced by unexpected people. I thank you, Father God, that you're going to do unexpected things in our lives through us as we trust you and we rest in you and we walk in your peace. So God, let us hear this message today and not just be hearers of this word, but Father, let us internalize this word and let us hold on to this gift of peace that you've given us, that when people see us, that they will know you because we have encountered you in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.